Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Let's uh, look to the Lord this morning. We're going to go into a, uh, a pa- in the passage in John, John chapter 3. Uh, and we're going to start a uh, series with you on the faith walk. Uh, and so we're starting this new series, and, and there are some really interesting people that we find in the Scripture. Uh, and uh, and uh, some of them have some real colorful pasts, right? Uh, some of them have some interesting uh, things that they've been through, but others were kind of aggressive. You know, like we talked a little bit about Peter uh, and his past. And then there were some people who were so rigid in their thinking that they wouldn't let God help them if he was visibly in front of them. Uh, we, we dealt with that as well in the scripture. We see people that way. But we can also find people who were open to God, uh, were open to God working in their lives and revealing himself to them in a new and a powerful way. And it really, it's this kind of person that we're going to read about today. He's a person who was willing to ask some questions even though he should have been the kind of guy that had the answers to most of those questions that he answered or that he was asking. Uh, But uh, do do you know a teacher who's willing to ask their own students questions so that they can understand them? Uh, It's a good teacher to be able to do that and and interact with them, but you would expect that a teacher would, would never do a thing like that. How could you ask the students for information, you know, when you're supposed to be the one that's teaching them, right? But the reality is, is everybody learns. And if you're a good teacher, then you're, you're a good learner, a quality learner, because you want to learn yourself. Do you, do you, know, uh, do you know a top doctor who is willing to ask a new and upcoming physician about something that they've experienced? Uh, I've heard doctors before say things like, yeah, that's uh, not my area. That's all new. You need to talk to this guy. Uh, and so they'll refer you to those kind of guys. What? But, but a doctor that's willing to and open to learn and grow even at, at 70 or 60 is important. And asking questions can be frustrating for some people, but asking questions can really change our lives if you ask the right things at the right time. It's important for us. And today we're going to walk with Jesus a little bit uh, for a while here in the book of John. And and Jesus has started his earthly ministry at this point, and he's performed some life-changing miracles in front of the people and uh, it wasn't something that people could really ignore at this point. Uh, and he had asked these 12 men to become his students. We call them disciples. Uh, and later they become apostles, sent one, sent out to do the work of God. And, and so he'd asked uh, these 12 to serve him. But Jesus was considered a rabbi uh, or a teacher. And he was teaching about the kingdom of God. But the miracles that happened... Uh, through him were unmistakable for people at this time. And people reasoned that since Jesus possessed such power, uh, he must have the favor of God. And and so, uh, but Jesus was not satisfied with a superficial faith. Even though it was faith, uh, it was just a superficial superficial faith. And he did not trust himself to those who said they believed only on the basis of the miracles themselves. 
And open with me here to John chapter 3, and we're going to look together uh, so that we can uh, look at uh, Nick at night here, you know, as Nicodemus coming in and talking with Jesus. Look at the verse, uh, first couple verses here. Uh, in John 3, verse 1, it says, Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So we see that Nicodemus has introduced himself. Uh, and uh, He's introduced here. He's a guy in the upper class, evidently, at that point in time. And he was a conservative in his beliefs. We know that. He was definitely interested in Jesus' teaching. And he was a Pharisee, and as a Pharisee, he belonged to this strict religious group of Judaism in contrast to the Sadducees. The Sadducees, who were less rigid in their beliefs, they were like more open to different things, but they were more politically minded in their viewpoints. And as a member of the, of the ruling council, or what we'd call the Sanhedrin or Sanhedrin, uh, he would have been sensitive to the common teaching trends of Jesus' time. So he'd have had his ear to the ground. He'd have had some idea of what was taking place. And, and Nick's interest in Jesus has really been prompted by uh, the miracles that he had witnessed. And that's what we get from the scriptures. And he came for an interview to obtain some more information from Jesus. He's trying to engage him and figure out and get some understanding here. And the way he approaches Jesus shows that he was cautious. Uh, he was also open-minded, and he was ready to receive a new revelation from God. And if he was sure that that revelation was the real deal. And all, all of us really need to be challenged by God and, uh, and His Word, but we also need to step back and look to see what Nicodemus did and the way he humbled himself to interact with Jesus. Because you need to stop for just a second and think, we look back at that, right? We are looking back. We're not looking forward or at the situation directly because we're a couple thousand years down the line. But in some sense, Nicodemus like humbled himself, and if you walk in his shoes for just a second, uh, he's probably he's a married man. He had to have been to be on the Sanhedrin, and, and he must have been part of the leadership of the day, of course. And he was likely older than Jesus, and he was one of the rulers there. And Nick could have had easily just ignored Jesus, but he was open-minded. He was willing to listen to him. And he saw something in Jesus that was different than the norm. And he could have easily turned away from him, uh, even many do today in that kind of thing. They look, in that kind of way, they look at Christ or they look at the situation, read the gospel, and like, okay, yeah, whatever, just another religion. And they move on from there. But uh, Nicodemus wanted to get uh, to the heart of what he had seen, and uh, he wanted to hear from Jesus to get a better understanding. Really, the only way to do this was to come close to Christ. That's what he had to do. He had to come close to Jesus to be able to understand, and, and that's what Nick does. He comes closer to him. And many years ago, I, I wanted to learn more uh, about how things worked. I started at five or six. I would take things apart. 
I, I think uh, I, I would get uh, junk and I would take it apart and look into it. I was inquisitive. I was curious about it. Uh, I think my parents would uh, give me a hard time now and then. Why did you bring that junk into the house? <laughs> you know, as a little kid, even at five, doing those kind of things. And then as I got older, um, I, I was, uh, as a child, I was curious. I grew up and, and started getting bigger projects. I started, the first thing I remember taking apart was a telephone, a toy telephone. And broke it apart and, and looked inside to find all these little gizmos inside and and then I started uh, looking at other things. And then my projects got larger and more intense and, and difficult to handle. And, and ultimately, my dad and my brother and others in my life actually invested in me to help me to move beyond taking apart a toy telephone, right? And uh, it was because I had some curiosity. I wanted to learn. I wanted to grow. And, and Nicodemus had been a person who likely had all the degrees behind his name. And, but he was willing to stay, stay open to God, and he was curious. And once he was impacted by the miracles of Jesus, he had to step closer to be able to learn what it was that God was saying to him. He wanted to be able to understand this world that he was living in. And when Nick interacted with Jesus, it's fair to say that he was challenged to the very core. He was challenged. It caused him to ask even more questions and to grapple with his faith in God. We can see that in his interaction with Jesus there in the book of John. And, and we see that after Nick has just said these words, he, uh, he said, For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. He realized that Jesus had something going in his life. And Jesus takes this open door of this man's heart to say in John chapter 3, verse 3, these words. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus' reply really was mysterious and abrupt to Nick. Uh, I think he probably did not expect that kind of response to him. Uh, it, it seems that it took Nick back a little bit. Uh, it's kind of like he was saying, uh, the, Nick was saying to him, what do you mean here? Because, because he isn't hostile. Nicodemus wasn't hostile to Jesus at all. You can see that in the scriptures. Now, there were other Pharisees, and there were others that were hostile towards Jesus, but he was not, and he wasn't like many of those other leaders. But, and some of them had threat, they, were, they felt threatened by Jesus' leadership. They felt threatened by what he taught. But when you read on in verse 4, Nick responds to Jesus. He said, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. He's like, what are you talking about, Lord? Uh, give me some understanding here because I know that's not the order of things. I know that is not the way it works. And so Jesus is telling Nick that no person could even see God's kingdom without a spiritual rebirth. There has to be a new start. 
There has to be a change of heart. And birth is, of course, the natural way that we enter into this world, and it brings with it the ability to adjust to the world that we are living in. Uh, but to be born again or to be born from above is a transformation of a person so that he or she is able to enter another world and adapt to its conditions and to even live in this world in a different fashion. Now, the Greek word uh, anathen, which, uh, which the NIV translates and many other translate again, is born again uh, in John's writing, normally means from above, but it's still bringing the same thing. Born again, born from above. Uh, it's the work of God in a person's heart. And so to belong to the heavenly kingdom, you must be born into it. Must be born into it. It's a supernatural work of God. It's something that God does in a person's heart. And don't mix it up, though. Even Jesus had to explain this to Nick. And I think there's a lot of explanations out there, but there's something else that, that Nick uh, Nicodemus may have been asking Jesus. How can a person whose habits and ways of thinking, which have been fixed by their age bracket, expect to change radically. How can we expect to change at the, at the point that we're at? How can we change? We can change. We can change because God can work in our lives. And physical birth is, physical rebirth is really impossible, but it, a, a spiritual change is it any more realistic? It's kind of like uh, he was saying, you can really teach an old dog new tricks. You can, right? Some people say, no, you can't do it. We got the old saying out there, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But the reality is you can if you work with them. And there's something where God can work in our lives no matter what our age bracket is. Whether we're 2 or whether we're 10 or 15 or 18 or 35 or 65 or 105, it doesn't matter really what our age bracket is because especially in the things of the Spirit, God can change a heart. I remember the story of Grace, and Grace was uh, in the church that I grew up in, and and uh, she uh, decided that uh, in her older years, uh, she felt like she needed to go to a particular rest home. And uh, there was other options available, but she felt like the Lord wanted her to go to that particular place. And once she moved into that place, she was able to lead somebody to the Lord that had never served the Lord all their life, and they were over 100 years old. But she realized that she had a responsibility to be a witness of Christ. And that born-again experience, that transformation can happen whether you're 5 or you're 55 or 105. Jesus is always available to work in our lives, and we have to be able to open our hearts up to Him. I remember sitting across from a man who had spent most of his adult life in addiction, and he spent some years in prison as well. And I remember sitting across from him with a committee as we were interviewing that man in Southern Cal. And he had lived that lifestyle, but the Lord had done something in his life and had tra transformed him. And as we interviewed him so that he could get his credentials to become a minister, because his life had been changed, a lot of people would have wrote him off. And so there's no chance, there's no opportunity for that person to change, but God did a work in his life. And he was born again. He had a new start
You may say, well, I can't even relate to this kind of, that kind of life that that man had. And, and the closest I've been to this kind of lifestyle was stealing cake off my sister's plate at mealtime, right? And maybe that's the case, and that's okay. You can thank God for that, right? But the facts are that we, we have to understand that more than anything, we need that relationship with God. And there must be a starting point where we have turned away from where we used to be and allow Him to start working in our lives. Nicodemus, he was a fairly good guy, if you see what the Scripture talked about. He seemed to be a good guy, but there was something he needed to understand. So Jesus starts to clear it up for him. And you likely aren't much different than Nick. Uh, you, you may be well off or you may be rather poor, but you may have it all or you may be just scraping by for your next meal. Those things aren't what constitutes a person. Jesus has drawn us to himself to be able to follow him, that we might have new life. One thing's for sure, Jesus is here to help us to understand what he's saying. Look at what he says there in John chapter 3, verses 5. Uh, verse 5, he says, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. And I know some say that water may refer to natural birth or it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit so that water and spirit are, or that they're merely the same thing. Uh, or some say it's a symbol of baptism. And, and there's some, you know, we could get into all that at this point. And I don't think splitting hairs at this point really is where we need to deal with this. But the, the question remains, is a person really born again? And this is, what, this is really what matters. Are you born of the Spirit of God? Are you born again? Have you had that new start that only Christ can bring in your life by faith? Because that is where it starts. It starts by faith in the one who gave his life for you and me. The new birth is based on your, your repentance and confession of your faith in response to the appeal of the Lord the Lord reaches out to each and every one of us as if we will enter this faith walk. We not only want to enter this faith walk, but we want to stay on this faith walk. And it's important for us as, uh, as people that we are willing to enter that walk of faith. Then Jesus goes on to say this to Nick on, the, on this key night of his life. And we can find it over in John chapter 3, verse 6, and he says this, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. These are Jesus' words to Nicodemus, and, and uh, he, he was saying, if, if you want to enter into God's kingdom, and, uh, and that's really what Nicodemus was wanting, you couldn't enter simply by outward obedience. It's more than that. It requires faith and a heart change. And to become a member of the kingdom of God, it's not only the privilege of a particular race or culture of people or a strata of people, but entry into the kingdom can only take place by the direct act of God. 
based on our faith. It's a miracle of the heart. And people can feel the wind and they can know it's there even if they don't know where it, where it blew from or, or where that wind is going. You know, we see that in Kansas all the time. We feel that all the time, don't we? Sometimes you're freezing cold. I woke up the other morning and I think it said it was 20 some degrees and looked down the chart and I think it said 14 degrees wind chill. I'm like, wow, that's cold. We, we know it's there, right? We can feel it. Can't necessarily see it, but we can feel that thing. Really, it's the same for somebody who's born again. We can't explain it by ordinary reasoning. And the outcome of the born-again experience is unpredictable, but we know it's there. If we, it is God's, uh, it is the work of God, and He does, it's the work that He does in our hearts by faith. It is the walk of faith. Look at what look at uh, uh, look at what this leader uh, here asked Jesus, and then he then we find Jesus uh, responding to Nick over here in verses nine and ten, uh, and he says in verse nine he says, "How can this be? I don't get it, Jesus. How can this be?" Uh, Nicodemus asked. And Nick Nick he wasn't really skeptical, but he was trying to wrap his mind around what Jesus was telling him. And now look at the Son of God's answer and what he says there in verse ten. He says, "You are Israel's teacher," said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? You're a teacher. You're a top guy. You're, you're a teacher here, and you don't get that. And Nick's question shouldn't have been seen really as doubtful of what Jesus said, but he's asking for some direction here. What, what is the direction you're taking me, Jesus? And, uh, and so he wanted to know how this born-again experience, this new start, could become a his. None of his religious actions, none of those rituals that he had done in the past really provided anything like this. It didn't provide for him those things. Yet Nick, this teacher of Israel, Israel should have known about the passage over in the, uh, over in the prophet Ezekiel. He should have known about that. These guys study the Scripture all the time. They memorize the Scripture all the time. And Jesus' words go right along with this passage over in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 to 28. And it says this. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities, from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart a stone, your heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. He's going to give a soft heart. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. A powerful passage looking forward to this new covenant that God would make between himself and any person who is open to trust him and put their faith in Christ. See, the spiritual truth of these verses really connects with the new birth that Jesus was speaking about here. And God was saying years before Christ that there would be a new covenant with mankind and we could have a new heart. 
There's comfort in knowing that, that He can change our hearts. It's not simply a ritual. It's not simply something like that. But it's something that He can do in us. But it is the work of the Spirit of God in our lives through our faith. And we're talking about more than just a man-made religion or ritual. There's plenty of that out there in this world. But it's God's work in a person's heart. And it's faith in Christ and the forgiveness that He brings to us with a new heart. When we pastored at another church in the past, we had a man who grew up in in the Sikh religion. Uh, you may know them by uh, the men will typically wear very large turbans on their head, uh, from uh, and uh, they they tend to do that, and they they don't necessarily they don't believe in Jesus as uh, the Son of God, and yet this family man had struggled because he didn't know or experience what what it was to be forgiven by God. And at one point, when he heard the message of Jesus Christ. And the forgiveness that comes to us by faith, he put his faith in Jesus. And I know Jody remembers him. And then later on, uh, his wife came to faith as well and put their trust in Jesus. Because God did a work in their lives. This is a new birth. It's more than simply just a ritual. It's a heart change. Even Nicodemus knew that there was more than simply doing rituals and sacrifice to be accepted by God. But he knew what ritual was. And in his day, people who came to believe in God were only accepted into the faith through ritual. That's what they had to do to be able to do that among the people of Israel. And they, were, they, were, they would go through uh, some very specific things. They were washed completely. They were given new clothing. And then they received the people. Then they were received as the people of God. But Israelites were regarded as sons of Abraham and children of God by covenant from birth. But in effect, Jesus was telling Nicodemus that even though he was a family member of Abraham that it was not adequate ground for his salvation. He would have to repent and to begin a new life in the Spirit if he wanted to enter into the kingdom of God. He had to turn to God. I believe that's what he was doing. He was turning to the Lord. And the same goes for you and I. We must turn towards Jesus Christ in faith. And we need to start that faith walk Jesus goes on to say a few more things to Nick here in the passage. You see it there in John chapter 3, verse 11. He says these words here. He says, Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know. And we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept your testimony. Or accept our testimony. It's Jesus speaking here. And uh, throughout the years, the people had rejected God's instruction and that was given through the prophets, uh, through the scripture. They had rejected it time and time again. And he's trying to help him, but at least Nicodemus is open. He's hearing the message from Jesus. And then Jesus gives Nicodemus a revelation like never before. And he tells him this in verse 14. He says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, 
that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. It's here that Jesus is referring to his death on the cross. Jesus' revelation really took Nick back to Numbers chapter 2, or verse 21, verses 4 to 9 there. And you can look at that on your own. It's where the people of God had really messed up and and they had sinned against the Lord and uh, in the wilderness, and God called them to account by, and they were overtaken by by some vipers. And there was only, uh, the, and the only hope they had was to look up on that snake or that viper on a pole, in faith that God would forgive them of their sin and heal their lives. Nick could have, he should have known that passage. In fact, the, the people of God back then, especially as a teacher, would have memorized countless scriptures, countless books of the Old Testament. But, but we see here, as, as he heard this from the Son of God, the people had been guilty and they faced the consequences of their sins. And we understand that even for us, it's the same. And we're unable to rescue ourselves from our own sinfulness like the Israelites who failed God. And we're, we're unable to rescue ourselves, but there was no known cure for their sin at that point. But to look up in faith to that pole, the sin on the pole, reminding them of their sin. See, Jesus, when he went to the cross, the scripture says that he bore our sin. He bore our sin our iniquity, the things we chose to do, the things we ignored. He bore that sin for you and I. And we must look to Him in faith. We must put our faith and our trust in Him. And when we put our faith and our trust in Him, that is where our faith walk starts. That is where the born-again experience happens in the heart. And it's not the man... It's not man just doing different works. It's about the work of God that was done for us on the cross that day. We look up to what He has done for us, and we look up in faith. And you know what? We find hope there. We find forgiveness there. We find new life there. And then from that new life that we have, we can share that with others around us. And we can let God's love work through our lives. And we can see our world changed because we are open to the work of God in our lives. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for each and every one of you. We must just stand up and look up at the cross and recognize that Jesus gave his life for us, that we can be forgiven and we can have a new life again. Would you stand with me this morning? That, that is available to you today. I don't know your situation. Maybe you were like me. I grew up in church, went to church every Sunday. Even got one of the Sunday school teachers to twist my arm to say the sinner's prayer, to ask Jesus to come into my life, but I did it only by my mouth. I didn't allow that to happen from my heart. But later on I did. I knelt down and asked the Lord to put His new heart in me and to save me.
And today, for you, I'm not sure, you may have attended church for 50 years. I don't know, you may have church, attended church for a day. Maybe you've, this is your first time getting on online. I'm not sure, I don't know where you're at. But this is the day you can start your faith walk. And you can look to Jesus, the one, the author and the finisher of our faith. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And you may, you may say, Pastor, you know, that's me. I, I need to start this walk of faith. I want this born-again experience. I'm not going to say you're, you're going to feel anything. I'm not going to say you aren't. But it all comes, to put it, comes down to putting your faith in the Lord Jesus. Putting your faith in Him and saying, Jesus, I'm going to serve you. I accept what you did on the cross for me. If that's you here this morning, lift your hand and say, I want to put my faith in him and start that walk of faith today. I want to do that. And if you're online, you say, I want to start that walk of faith today. Why don't you just post it in the chat on the, on the, uh, on the stream. And let us know, I am walking with Jesus starting today because he has a plan for you. Let me pray with you this morning, Father. We ask you, Father God, as each person opens their heart up unto you, Father God, that you would work in their lives. Father God, we yield ourselves to you that we may start this walk of faith in a new and a fresh way. Jesus, we look to you as the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who gave his life on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sin and that we could have a relationship with you that we may know you, Lord, that we may walk with you. Father, let your kingdom come in us. Let your will be done in us. Forgive us of our sin. Open our hearts unto you. And we choose to follow you today. In Jesus' name, amen.